Good morning and welcome to our service. Uh, we're so excited that you're here. Ready? Uh, good morning and welcome to our service. We're so thankful that you're here in line and on person. It's a very special day. It's United Methodist Women's Day, so the whole service will be run by your friendly female United Methodist women. Um, I have some announcements. Uh, before I forget, I just wanted to say that all the children and youth had such a great time at the church egg hunts, both last weekend and then Wednesday night when the youth did the messy egg hunt. It was very fun. Um, on Wednesday mornings at 11 and 6 p.m., Sam does a Bible study in the gathering room. That's in person or online if you want to attend that way. Um, Miss Harriet Murray has small group, 40 days of prayer. It's Wednesday night at 6 p.m. in room 110. Uh, this Wednesday's meal will be Italian. Everyone's welcome. It's at 5.15. Thursday, the men at the well meet. There are Sunday school classes now. Uh, the children and youth activities will be on May the 4th, Wednesday. That's Star Wars themed. Very exciting. Um, the April mission was the Ram Clinic, and it was held this weekend. And from what I saw online, it was very, very successful. And our church hosted those people that were working the event. Our church picnic is coming up on May the 11th. It'll be at Nakula Falls at the Kiwanis Pavilion from 5 to 7. The Hebrews Cafe is every Sunday morning from 10 to 11, just right over there, just out there in the Chestnut Street lobby. There's a brunch club that has started, and today is its first meeting. They're going to meet at the Blackstone at 1230. Um, now I'll just tell you a little bit about United Methodist Women. All the women that belong to United Methodist Church are members of United Methodist Women. That's how easy it is to join. Um, the United Methodist Women meets in circles. There's several different circles, and it's a small group made up of UMW ladies, and they have different parties and activities and missions that they do, and they meet at all different times. Circles have um, different meeting times. They meet whenever the members want to. Some are regularly scheduled, and some are more sporadic. My group is the Peggy Casey Circle, and we just meet whenever whoever can meet. So sometimes there's two of us, and sometimes there's ten of us. Sometimes we meet at someone's house, sometimes we go to dinner. We just do what we can do. Uh, UMW does mission work, and the one thing that I thought about with the mission work was when we have the baby quilts, and we line them up around here, and they go off and, you know, help somebody out. And I, I just love that mission. Um, and then later, we're going to have our speaker will be the myth and the legend, Miss Sheila Freeman. So I'm excited about that. Again, we want to say welcome to our Methodist Women's Sunday. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know, we couldn't get Sheila to come play guitar, so y'all are stuck with, with us and a couple other guys as well. So again, we're glad to have you with us. So uh, would you stand and sing with us this morning? solid ground the nations rise and fall kingdoms 
strong, now shaken. We trust forever in your name, the name of Jesus.
satisfied here in your love. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you. There's nothing. Nothing is better. God of the mountain is the God of the valley. There's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again. No!
was amazing. That's one of my very favorite songs. So thank y'all. Um, at this time, we're going to collect our tithes and offerings. So there are offering plates in the back of the church, in the front of the church, and you can also give online as well. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father in heaven, we're so thankful to be gathered here today on United Methodist Women's Sunday. We pray these gifts given today will be multiplied for our ministries inside and outside the walls of our church. We give you thanks for those who give their talents, their time, their prayers, their service. Lord, we are an abundantly blessed church for all the gifts given today. And for this, we give you thanks. Amen. And at this time, we'll have a video from the UMW women and Andy and Afton will take our kiddos to Children's Church and Miss Catherine gets to stay and worship with us today. So thank you.
Our scripture reading for today is John 20, 19 through 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciple rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. Good morning. How are y'all doing today? I bet y'all are doing a little bit better than me. Uh, this has been a long time coming. Um, Barbara Bennett asked me to uh, speak today for United Methodist Women's Sunday. I think it may have been five or six weeks ago. So leading up to this, there's been a lot of work and preparation, prayer, thinking about this. And then in the last few days since I spoke at Thursday worship, I've literally just had to put it out of my hand. As you can imagine, coming to this holy place, standing here and speaking is a rather daunting task. So today I want to share with you some thoughts that will take us sometimes back 175 years through the history of the church and how women played a role in our church. But also I want to talk about today and I want to have a message for everyone. And so today the message is entitled, We Are Witnesses. And first I want us to think about the scripture that was just read. Um, and the fact that today is still Easter. For Easter people, every day is Easter. 
and it brings an opportunity for new life in Jesus Christ. We're very familiar with the Easter story and all of the scriptures and the Gospels and the book of Acts that follow the events that unfolded over the next 50 days, the great 50 days of Easter, until the ascension of our Lord and the day of Pentecost. Today, we picked up the story in John's Gospel with the disciples hiding in the upper room. They still didn't fully understand the good news that Mary and the women had brought to them. And Thomas stands out among them because he could not believe without first seeing for himself. He needed to put his hands in the wounds and touch the scars from the resurrection or from the crucifixion. If we are honest with ourselves and place ourselves in Thomas's shoes, we would have likely asked for the same proof. Surely this is an event that needed to be experienced so that it could be fully understood. Thomas was simply asking for what the other disciples had received, an encounter with Christ. And Christ answered him, appearing once again as the disciples were gathered behind locked doors. We misplace our focus if we only see Thomas's doubt. Jesus does not scold him. Jesus meets Thomas exactly where he is amidst his doubts, his questions, his fears, his troubles. Jesus meets him there where he stands. Once again, he offers peace. He doesn't exclude Thomas, but instead reaches out to him. Though the other disciples were rejoicing and joy-filled at the sight of Jesus, Thomas firmly confesses and claims Jesus, my Lord and my God. He fully surrenders. And in this encounter with Thomas, Jesus also offers a blessing to those who will believe without seeing. That's you and me. Like the disciples, we stand in a Good Friday world. We've heard the news of Christ's resurrection. We've been told the story of the empty tomb, and we believe. But we too may be fear-filled, and this fear prevents us from living out our faith in bold and visible ways. Christ comes to us just as he came, came to Thomas amid all of our fears and uncertainty. He is still stepping into the room and saying to you and to me, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. We are witnesses. Now, when I started thinking about witnesses, I decided that I would Google the word witnesses. That's where we go for all our answers, right? So witnesses attest to facts or events. They are one that gives evidence. They sometimes are asked to be present at a transaction to show proof that has taken place. They may have personal knowledge of something. And also the final definition, public affirmation by word or example of usually religious faith or conviction. Now, according to Google, there are three types of witnesses. There are eyewitnesses, expert witnesses, and character witnesses, all of whom have a unique and important role. I think we can all agree that Mary and the women at the tomb were eyewitnesses, as were Thomas and the disciples. They played an important role of sharing the good news of the resurrection and the Easter story. And it's not unusual for the credibility and veracity of eyewitness testimony to be questioned. But despite the fact that the women had witnessed, that what the women had witnessed was first considered nonsense by the other disciples, word of the resurrection was spread and people began to believe. It is out of these first accounts of these witnesses on that first Easter and Jesus' appearances to the disciples that the church was born and now Christians have celebrated and worshipped for over 2,000 years. 
And so we have become Easter people. Probably missing from Easter morning were any expert witnesses. Expert witnesses are often called to verify facts, principles, or just statistical analysis. Sorry about that. Certainly neither the women who witnessed nor the disciples who witnessed Jesus' resurrection had knowledge or training to be considered expert witnesses. However, over the course of the last 2,000 years, certainly experts have studied the evidence of the crucifixion and accounts have been shared through the Gospels and Book of Acts, through studies of the burial cloth, the conditions of the tomb, and the facts of Jesus' resurrection. Experts now point to the credibility of these first witnesses. Finally, there are character witnesses. A character witness is someone who is close enough to a person to really know them and be able to tell others about that person. A character witness testifies to the virtues and morals of another person. That's you and me. We are witnesses for Jesus Christ, and here's how. First of all, God is with us. Before we ever knew him or believed that God was there, he was working in us and through us. Ephesians 4, 7 tells us that to each one of us, grace has been given. Isn't that what John Wesley said when he described provenient grace? God acting in our lives long before we know it. The Bible puts it this way. God shows his love for us because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5.8. Next, we believe, we invite him to step into the room in our hearts and we know Jesus is our Savior. At that moment, we begin the journey as his witness. We are witnesses becomes our identity in Christ. Jesus is constantly working in us and through us, our role as witnesses comes with the territory. Whether we make a conscious decision to witness or not, our very lives become our witness for Jesus. And it is not only by our actions, but by our lack of action, that others will see the character of Jesus through us. We are not witnesses is not only who we are, but also how others see Jesus. It defines our calling to be followers of Jesus Christ, as well as our dedication to his call. We are witnesses doesn't depend on our readiness or responsiveness, and there is good news. If it was up to us, we'd make up every imaginable excuse to relinquish such responsibility. We'd convince ourselves that we need more time to prepare, that we need to know more, that we need to be more qualified to take his calling because witnessing is not optional. It's not an occasional activity. It's not something we can do one day and then decide to take the next day off. It's constant. It's a way of life. It's who we are. We are witnesses. As the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. On Christmas Eve at First Methodist, we have a wonderful tradition of passing the light of Jesus Christ throughout the congregation. The lights are lowered, the candles are lit one by one, until the entire church is filled by candlelight, accompanied by the beautiful singing of Silent Night. I'm sure you love that moment of worship as much as I do. Often, as we conclude the worship service, we silently take the lighted candles out of the sanctuary and into the world. This is a beautiful picture of Jesus' people sharing the light of his life and his love with the world. And we are called to be his light and share his light, not just at Christmas, but every day. So how are we witnesses? How can we be witnesses? First of all, I want to talk to you a little bit about generosity. 
One of the definitions that we learned when we did Robert Schnazy's extravagant generosity lesson was that one definition of generosity is planting seeds for trees that you will never enjoy the shade from. Uh, only others, people that you don't even know, will enjoy that shade. For 175 years, women have been serving in ministry and changing lives at First United Methodist Church. In the history archives, we find women like Mrs. M.P. Hughes, who taught children's Sunday school for 60 years. Can you imagine? 60 years. And Miss Beth Kimball, who has served for an unknown number of years because she won't admit to us how old she is. And women like Hazel Oliver, who welcomed and greeted for too many years to count at the door to my right. So many years, in fact, that the entrance to our sanctuary is known as the Hazel Oliver Entrance. We are witnesses through generosity with our tithes and our offerings, and also through the Alleluia offering that has the opportunity to do special and important things for our church, things that will help us to be witnesses to others as a church. The Howell Irwin Medical Fund was established in 1961 by a United Methodist woman in honor of her son, Howell Irwin, who had passed away that year. And this fund has been administered by UMW since that time. That's over 60 years of providing prescription medication to those in need in our community. In the last 10 years, approximately $30,000 in assistance has been given through this fund, and we are still doing that today. Benevolence Fund. Monies from this fund go directly to assistance for people who come to the church in need. Your generosity for our Benevolence Fund through our special communion offering makes this possible. Often, to meet these needs, we partner with agencies in the community. Susan Swan is fabulous at discerning the needs and providing assistance, and these requests come in every week and sometimes daily. The Mission Fund. Both the Church Mission and UMW Missions provide funds on a monthly or quarterly basis to nonprofit organizations that serve our community. Over the course of the past decade, UMW Missions, through fundraisers and offerings, have given over $100,000 to local and regional missions. Each year, our own UMW is challenged to take part in the World Thank Offering. United Methodist women around the world support missions throughout the world by saving spare change. Now you know why there's a coin shortage. Throughout the year for the World Thank Offering, the changes received and that money goes to helping to fulfill the United Methodist Women's purpose, turning faith, hope, and love into action on behalf of women and children and youth around the world. Your generosity to UMCOR, the United Methodist Committee on Relief, and the United Methodist Children's Home, now called Alabama Kids, is a testament to your love for Jesus Christ and the work that he is doing through these organizations. Your response to needs across our community and our country for tornado relief or across the world for support for Ukraine is a witness to his love. We are also witnesses through serving. When I first came to First UMC, new to Gadsden and a mother of four young children, all of whom were under the age of six, the ELC, then called Mother's Day Out, and the Sunday School Department were huge opportunities for my children to learn and grow in the love of Christ. It's largely in part due to the Mother's Day Out program that my family became a part of the Gadsden First United Methodist Church family. My daughter, Kelsey, who was two at the time and went through ELC till she was four, 
would not let us go to any other church because this became her church. This, I want to go to my church. At the time, we were even visiting at the church uh, around the corner, and we had family that went there. But no, we had to go to my church. My children grew in the Sunday school department and through the children and youth programs here at the church. At the time, women like Jane Trotter, Jean Holtzford, Judy Loveman, Dottie Ivey, Beth Kimball, and Gail McNair took the time to answer God's call and were teaching Sunday school each week. As my children grew to be youth, their lives were touched by more dedicated teachers like Lisa and Leon Goodwin, David Ford, Jennifer Blunt, Carmen and Michael McKevin, just to name a few. Each of these persons felt the call of God on their lives, just as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Today, we still need volunteers to teach our children, and often in our small groups and Sunday school opportunities, and even vacation Bible school. Yes, we need volunteers who are not their parents to step into their lives. And if you can read and you can share God's love, you can teach a, Sunday, a children's Bible study class. And here's a news flash. Grandparents, yes, even grandparents make great Sunday school teachers. Is God calling you? On Wednesday night, youth and children come to our church for Bible study and fun activities. And there's an opportunity to serve there too, alongside Catherine Barnes and Andy Yarnell, who are fantastic and dedicated to our children and youth. They do a phenomenal job, but they can't do it alone. You have an opportunity and a responsibility Remember our baptismal covenant? Ask each of us to affirm that we will help raise these children in Jesus Christ to show love and kindness and mercy and teach these children and youth about Jesus. And the safe sanctuary training and the background check are almost painless. People like Catherine Barnes and Carmen and Michael McKibben have been doing it for years just by showing up and lending a hand in our youth and kids ministry. Women like Denise Floyd have worked for many years, long since her own children were grown, helped for Vacation Bible School. Susan Copeland has been a crew leader for over 25 years or more. 25 years or more here at Gaston First. United Methodist Women also offers many opportunities for fellowship, Bible study, devotions, through circles, small groups, their mission and service, their once a month lunch and program. And UMW supports many ministries and nonprofits in our community. One of my favorite stories that Susan Copeland found in the history archives that were put together by Jane Bug is a story of some United Methodist women who needed to go to a mission meeting up in Crossville on the mountain. They traveled that morning by horse and wagon to go to the meeting and return that evening. Now, can you imagine how dedicated were they to missions to go by horse and buggy all that way? Gadsden First Mission Team has a special mission focus every month of the year. There are lots of ways to get involved with missions. Striplet Adopted School Project, Christmas Stockings, the Love Center, many more. This month for April, RAM was our focus. Yesterday, First United Methodist Gadsden Mission Team fed lunch to over 435 volunteers at RAM. Many of our members also participated as volunteers in administrative or medical or dental areas at the RAM clinic. We'll be sharing more pictures and more information about all the exciting things that happened there. 
I understand that a child was even born at RAM yesterday. Amazing. The week before last, volunteers organized and served meals for Holy Week, welcoming and serving our church family and guests from the community over 150 meals. Did you know that Jesus often shared a table and met with and made connections over meals? Think about the wedding at Cana, feeding the 5,000, Zacchaeus, the Last Supper, breakfast on the beach with the disciples, and so much more. Our church picnic is only two weeks away. Volunteers are needed to create a welcoming fellowship opportunity for our family, church family. Do you have the gift of hospitality? Maybe Jesus is calling you. Every Friday, Ladle of Love Soup Kitchen feeds those who are hungry in our community, not only feeding them physically, but spiritually, as they share kindness, love, and mercy to those who come. The vision for Ladle of Love started around 2009 when a woman our church a woman in our church mentioned in, to the pastor at that time that she had, a, she had always dreamed of starting a soup kitchen. And his response was, what's stopping you? The, the vision for ministry from Pat and Stan Walker became a reality within a year, becoming known as Ladle of Love. And over the past 12 to 13 years, it's estimated that over 70,000 meals have been served at Ladle of Love. Teams were formed, and guess what? Many of those teams are led by women. Anyone, men and women, are welcome to serve at Ladle of Love. It's a once-a-month commitment on a Friday morning that is changing lives. Our clothes closet is also waiting for you. Twice a month, Gadsden First Clothes Closet is open to the public to make free, gently closed, gently used clothes available to those in our community. Providing a welcome and pleasant shopping experience shares the love of Jesus Christ with each person who visits our clothes closet. There are opportunities to come and sort and organize clothes and prepare the clothes closet for the shopping days. Maybe you or your small group wants to take a turn to volunteer to do this. And there are other ways to serve for everyone. Altar guild, worship teams, we are witnesses through our service. We're also witnesses through love. So today, I'm going to get you to wake up for just a minute and do some math with me. Conservatively, we might say that 10 times a day, I come in contact with another person. It may be someone when I'm shopping at the grocery store. It may be someone through my work. But 10 times a day, I have an opportunity to personally connect with someone. And that gives me an opportunity to bless someone, to change their lives, even in some small way. And if each one of you also have at least 10 times a day an opportunity to make a connection, to share Jesus. Let's do the math. Worship totals for the last week were 336 in-person people at worship. So... Let's multiply 336 times 10 opportunities to show love. We get how much? Anybody? 3,360. Very good. Okay, so I'm going to ask you the next question, Jay. There are 365 days in a year. So let's do three, no, no calculators. 3,300, no, you can use your calculator. 3,360 times 365 days. Wow, 
1,226,400. The first time I did that math on my calculator, I had to do it again because I couldn't even believe that those acts of kindness could be multiplied and that Gadsden First United Methodist people would be able to touch 1,226,400 people's lives. What does showing love and kindness or being a blessing to someone look like? First, it's by our presence. Isn't it easy to be too busy, caught up in our everyday lives, to be present with others? I must admit I'm guilty. I think I tend to be more of a Martha than a Mary, if you know what I mean. Always doing, so often I have to remind myself that I need to stop. I need to listen. I need to find out what's really going on with another person. And isn't that what we need most when times are difficult or things are not going our way? Or when we've received bad news about our health or experienced a disappointment? By being present in the moment, we are sharing the love the way Jesus did. Jesus often took time to talk to ordinary people like you and me. Jesus took time to listen. He spent a great deal of time listening to people who were hurting. There are a lot of times in the Gospels where we see Jesus recognizing a need and starting a conversation. The Samaritan woman at the well in John 4, 7 through 42. The crippled beggar by the pool in John 5, 1 through 15. People approached Jesus and Jesus responded to them. There are over 25 examples in the Gospels. The rich young ruler in Matthew 19, 16 through 30. Jairus, the synagogue ruler in Mark 5, 21 through 43, and the woman who touched Jesus' robe in Mark 5, 24 through 34. Just as Jesus took the time to meet Thomas right where he was in his moment of doubt and stepped into that room, Jesus stepped into the lives of many of the people he met. Secondly, we show Jesus' love by extending kindness recognizing others' needs and reaching out to them. How we act in ordinary moments from day to day probably says more about our witness than any one single grand act that we could do. Love sees the image of God in our neighbor. Love does not judge. Love measures our neighbor's plight according to the full flourishing, the abundant life that God intends for each one of us to have. John 10.10 says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. When we are uncertain how to listen or what to say, we need to remember that God is already present. God is there before us. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Philippians 2.13. Each time we partake of Holy Communion, we are, call, we are responding to God's invitation to live in peace with one another. We confess our sins accept God's forgiveness, and become ambassadors of Christ, offering one another signs of reconciliation and love. We ask for God's blessing. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. Cindy Andrade Johnson works with refugees in Brownsville, Texas, across the border from Matamoros, Mexico. She has entered into the story of these people's lives and has become an advocate for many women and children who are in desperate situations without food or shelter or basic needs. She's created a way for these women and children's stories to be heard through her work. This is what Cindy says, you will never look into the eyes of someone whom God does not love. 
always be kind. So right now, I invite you to look at your hands, to hold your hands out in front of you, face up with your palms open to God. You see 10 fingers, each finger representing one person that you can show love or bless each day. And it's that simple. Your hands will serve as a daily reminder for you to share God's love with 10 people. And that blessing will be multiplied. So Easter comes with expectations. Becoming an Easter people is a calling, a mission, and an invitation. Jesus breathes new lives into his disciples. Peace with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. He breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And so we are witnesses through our generosity, our service, and by showing love and kindness to others. How many of you have watched some type of TV show or live stream? Maybe one of the recent Netflix series has you hooked? Did you ever binge watch any of those series? I must admit I have. You watch one episode, then the next, and you say, just one more. I need to know the rest of the story. You, before you know it, you've watched the entire season, and then you have to wait for the next season to premiere. Do you remember Paul Harvey's The Rest of the Story? Paul Harvey was an American newscaster and beginning as part of his newscast during World War II and then later premiering as its own series on ABC Radio until his death in 2009, he was the host of The Rest of the Story. His broadcast consisted of stories presented as little known or forgotten facts on a variety of subjects with a twist. Usually, there was some key element of the story, like the name of a famous person held back until the end. The broadcast always concluded with a variation of the tagline, and now you know the rest of the story. As Easter people, we know the rest of the story. We know the gift of abundant and eternal life in Jesus Christ. So today, I want to challenge you. We are witnesses. Go and be the rest of Jesus' story. Amen. Will you pray with me? Dear Father, we ask your blessing on all your witnesses. And on this special day, as we celebrate United Methodist Women, may you strengthen them and all who serve in Jesus' name. I ask each of you to join me in this prayer with your palms open upward to the Lord. Lord, forgive me and heal me. Make me yours. Help me to live my life as your witness so that each day I take your light and your love into the world so that others may also know your gift of abundant life. Amen.